one of the biggest challenges after it gets off the ground those first few months is like, okay, great. So now we're running, but now we've got to grow the business. Sometimes hiring somebody without the clients, but hoping you, you know that you're going to get the clients in quickly. And then the other way is you have too many clients and then you can't fit them all in because you don't have enough staff. So really it's a real chicken and egg where you're trying to grow both as quickly as possible, but maintain a balance between the two. From Sixth Story, I'm your producer, Diana Hong, and you're listening to Wrap Up Your Potential with Hilda Gann, the show where we talk with the entrepreneur next door about the stories behind their success and the lessons they learn along the way. Today's guest is the owner of two massage attic franchises located in Toronto. He spent the first 10 years of his career working as an engineer at iTrans, the company that was founded by Hilda and her husband. In today's episode, he and Hilda will discuss his experience working at iTrans why he decided to buy a franchise, things to consider before buying a franchise, and so much more. So please enjoy our conversation with Sasha Naylor. I'm so excited today because I have Sasha Naylor here, and he is the owner of Massage Attic, a couple of locations in the downtown Toronto area. Welcome, Sasha. Hi, Hilda. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for coming on our show today. Thanks for having me. So for people who don't know you, can you give us a little bit of an introduction about who you are? Sure. Yeah, I can definitely do that. Well, I'll start with myself, a little bit about me. I graduated in 2003 from the University of Waterloo in civil engineering. I focused in transportation and I worked in the transportation consulting industry for about 10 years with a great company called iTrans. Then about ooh, about eight years ago, I made a transition into the Massage Addicts franchise. So I started my first one, which is located in the beaches area of Toronto. And then about four years ago, I opened my second one, which is located in the Riverdale area of Toronto. So I've been managing, operating those two clinics now for the past, well, eight years total, but four years for two of them. That's a little bit of a kind of journey from, from where I started from school to where I am today. Thank you very much for sharing that. Let's start then with your decision to go into engineering. And then what made you decide transportation? I have to reach way back in the memory banks for that. But I think at the time, I, I really enjoyed math. I was, I was pretty proficient with math and engineering, obviously, is a lot of mathematics and those types of things. So it was a natural fit from the academic side. And uh, civil engineering seemed to be of interest as it wasn't as specialized as some of the other engineering. It was quite broad. There was different areas that you could focus in under civil engineering. And uh, I really wanted to go to the University of Waterloo as they have a great cooperative program where you sort of alternate university with work. And it's a great way to get some experience as well as sort of help pay for some of the university, well, which is great uh, when, you're, when you're a student and not making much money or, or any money. So that was sort of uh, how it all came together. And I, I got into University of Waterloo and I spent uh, five years there total with the co-op program. I, I focused in transportation. That seemed to uh, sort of pique my interest out of the, the four major areas of civil engineering there. And uh, I took all the electives that I could and I really enjoyed sort of working in that area. And when I graduated in 2003, I did take a year off, but then I joined iTrans and I worked there for basically the first 10 years of my career as uh, in the consulting industry for transportation, worked on many different projects, many different areas. It was rewarding and a lot of fun. So that's sort of how I got started with engineering. So you called it a great place. And people who have been part of this podcast know that the company that my husband and I had prior to the company people write today that I have was iTrans. So I'd like you to share some of that journey because I tell people it was a special place to work. So I can say it, but I'd like them to hear it from somebody else. So can you share a little bit about that iTrans experience? 
Yeah, no, it was it was a great experience. I actually had a friend who or colleague, she had joined iTrans while I was I was away for a year. And when I came back, she said, you know, this is a great place you should consider coming. And I was lucky enough to be hired, which was great. It was a really amazing experience. The thing that set it apart from what I've seen at some some other companies with some of my my friends and colleagues and, and talking to them in the industry is it really had a, a family feel. It was very much, uh, you know, you were very much nurtured there as a professional and as a, as a human being as well. And there was lots of programs and lots of events that we took part in, like the United Way Always Comes to Mind, which was a big event we did every, every year for fundraising. It wasn't just, oh, well, we'll donate a few dollars. It was very involved. We spent, you know, a whole week planning it and a week executing it and, and running through everything and it really helped with sort of team bonding and making sure it really, everybody knew everybody and, and worked together. So, that was just one thing that kind of jumps out at me. But I think it was the environment more than anything else. I mean, we did a lot of the work that other companies may have done as well in the realm of transportation engineering. So that's not what set it apart per se. It was really the environment and therefore the people that were working in that environment. It really became like everybody was pulling for each other and working together. Really a sort of a family environment, which was quite special for my first place of work, which is probably why I was there for 10 years. So let's talk about Massage Attic. How did you decide to come to do this and take us through a bit of that journey now? Yeah, definitely. I guess, as you mentioned, it, it sort of had been growing a little bit, the entrepreneurial bug, I guess, if you will. It was probably in there a little bit and it started to to kind of push its way out. And I just thought if there's never a good time. You, you sort of have to take the plunge when you're going to do this. You, you can always justify doing it or not doing it and then delaying it for various reasons. But if you really want to do it, you just have to do it. So I think I just kind of made that decision myself and the timing was right. And I started looking for opportunities and I didn't have sort of a grand plan or vision for myself in terms of my own idea. I, I thought, you know, why don't I take a look at, at some franchise options and maybe start there? Gives me a little bit of a, a, a safety net and it'll help ease into the kind of transition to being on my own a little bit. And I, I came across Massage Act at the time. So this was uh, back in 2012. Uh, they'd only been around since 2008. So they'd only they were four years old at that time. They were mainly focused on the East Coast. So they were just starting to expand into the Ontario market. There was a clinic here, I believe, but that was it. I think it was one or two clinics here. So I think I was the third to open in Ontario, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I really liked the business model. I liked that it was in the healthcare industry. I thought that was a great industry for growth and, and continued growth in, in that area. I, I used uh, some chiropractor services, massage therapy, physiotherapy. And I uh, had some great results myself. So I thought, you know, if this is helping me, I'm sure it can help a lot of other people. And uh, while I won't be doing the, the chiropractic or massage therapy, being a part of that and, and allowing others, you know, and helping clients and having a, a space like that, I think would be would be really rewarding. So those kind of two things came together, the knowledge of the industry and how it had impacted me and been beneficial for me in my healthcare, and then just the business itself. And it was sort of like going to Vancouver, I guess. It, it was it was new to Ontario. It was it was a bit of a unique concept, I suppose. Tell them about the concept, because it was unique at the time, I, I recall. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it was, well, it was membership based, I guess is what we would call it. It, it means that it offered people a chance to become members at the clinic. You didn't have to be, of course, and you still don't have to be a member at the clinic. We still have the membership option. But what it does is it, it incentivizes people to come in more often, at least once a month. And that way they are offered a discount on their massage therapy treatment. So it also extends either their benefit dollars or their own dollars, uh, you know, what they're paying out of pocket to be able to get in and take care of themselves and really, you know, try to get the best healthcare they can for the, the most cost efficient price. So I thought, you know, that's, that's a great idea really to bring more massage therapy, physiotherapy, healthcare to Canadians that either couldn't afford it, or maybe couldn't afford 
that volume of, of treatment. And often you do need multiple treatments to, to see some benefit over the longer term. So I thought that was a great idea. So when you start a business, you can do it your, on your own as a solo entrepreneur and build your business, or you can buy something or you can buy a franchise. And so I'm really pleased that you're joining us today because you're my first person that I've talked to who has started a franchise. What were some of the things that you needed to look out for, eyes wide open kind of concerns and, oh, profit kind of concerns? So tell us about making that decision to choose this particular franchise. Did this look like a safe bet to grow and put your investment and money and time into yeah, definitely. I mean, you're looking at, first and foremost, what industry it's in. Is that something that you want to be in? Is that an industry that you think is either going to be great for you or great just in general as a, as a growth area? You don't want to be in, in an industry that's declining. So you're trying to look for an industry that is growing or, or maybe stable at, at the very least. And then, you know, you want to look at what part of a franchise system you, you're investing in that franchise system. So not only do you have all your costs to build the business, start the business, but you also have to pay a fee to the franchise and an ongoing fee to the franchise. So what kind of value are they going to offer you over the course of your, your term uh, with them or, or the course of you running the business? Uh, because you're going to be paying, it's, a, it's almost like paying a consultant or somebody, they're using those dollars to, to help you. And there's a cost to that, but you know, there's also a benefit to having that larger base that can, that can offer support and marketing and, and other tools and help you get on your feet faster and set up quicker than maybe you could on your own potentially. So you did your homework. I mean, exactly. like how you did the discovery calls, you checked with other people to validate what, what was being sold was going to be. And then you also developed relationships because I think it can be so lonely. I'm like, can think, I know it can be so lonely as an entrepreneur. So it's always nice to have people that you can have and be supportive of. I mean, I was lucky because I had Tyrone and we grew the engineering business together. So even today I can talk to him and he understands from an entrepreneur's lens versus a person who has never worked on their own or built their own business. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. It, it can be challenging at times. You do lose that sort of social network, at least in the work environment, potentially. So you really need to supplement that and recreate that with whether it's peers or, or other entrepreneurs, they don't necessarily have to be, you know, in my case, franchisees, they could just be other, you know, business associations are great, great groups to be a part of. Yeah, you could meet yeah, other business sure. owners. Those types of things are yeah. great to supplement what you would normally have at a company where you're surrounded by other peers and colleagues where you can kind of get that organically. So what have been some of the maybe the struggles that you've had in starting your business and continuing your business? Well, at the start, for sure, it's uh, it can be quite overwhelming. Uh, you're really in charge of absolutely everything from if it's a brick and mortar location or, or building out something specific. So you, you're construction and managing that as well as obviously dealing with the banks and securing your financing and making sure you have staff and then clients or whatever it is you're doing. But for me personally, it was clients, making sure we, we grew the business and then one of the biggest challenges after it gets off the ground those first few months is like, okay, great. So now we're running, but now we've got to grow the business. So sometimes hiring somebody without the clients, but hoping you, you know that you're going to get the clients in quickly. And then the other way is you have too many clients and then you can't fit them all in because you don't have enough staff. So really for the first few years, it's a real chicken and egg where you're trying to grow both as quickly as possible, but maintain a balance between the two. And that can be challenging, not only finding staff, but finding the right people. You want to create a good environment uh, for the team so that everybody really does look forward to coming to work. I think that's important. Sometimes you swing and miss on those, but you do your very best to, to try to make it 
uh, a great team and then try to foster that environment as well while trying to grow the business. So. You just talked about, you know, creating a great team and creating the environment. So what are some of the strategies you do at Massage Addict to help that team, you know, build the spirit and build that loyalty and engagement? What are some of those? Our group is a little different than maybe a traditional office where you have employees where everyone's there every day. We have a lot of contract workers and massage therapists, acupuncturists, certified reflexologists, and now chiropractors. They're all contract, essentially self-employed workers. So it's a new set of challenges for sure. Not everyone's in all the time on the same days. So sometimes people that have been working for several years at the clinic haven't met each other because they work on different days, which is a unique dynamic you know, that we have versus a lot of other companies perhaps. So really uh, trying to create some events outside of work, you know, so every year we do have a Christmas party and we try to make it a gathering somewhere. We always try to do something fun and active so that, you know, you're, you're not just sitting at a table, sitting at a table is great, but sometimes you, you can't get around to see everybody. Whereas if you're up and active, you have more chance to interact with everybody. So we've done like ax throwing as an example. We went cool. to a place called, uh, yeah, a place called Lob last year, which is sort of a, it's a combination of bocce ball and mini golf, quite, quite fun. And we've done some table tennis and things like that. So always try to do something like that. That's our big event, but we also try to do some smaller events throughout the year to allow uh, those things. People couldn't make it to that event or just, uh, you know, different days to sort of mingle and then just, you know, we bring in lunches or things like that. So people can have some time to hopefully bond or, or see each other and those types of things as well as staff meetings is, is useful for us because again, we don't have everybody here all the time, especially on the same days. So it's good to get everyone together, even for a short period of time to, to go over our, our vision and goals and what we're trying to do and, and uh, what's happening. You said that you opened a second location. What made you decide to do it in terms of both financing and just the whole idea of a second location? That decision-making process, share that with us. Yeah, no, that was a long time in the making. For the first few years of opening the first clinic in the beach location, I didn't have a lot of time <laughs> to think about a second. So I was just trying to get that one up and going and, and get everything ironed out and grow the business. And so after about a couple of years, hopefully, you know, things were progressing well and then things were growing well and there was still more work to do, but it wasn't as frantic and as all consuming as the first year and year and year, two years. So then I started to think, okay, well, this was fun. Maybe I should look at doing something else again. And then, so then the thought process was, you know, do I want to, do I do something else in, in another area or, or sort of do I double down on, on what I know and what I, what I just did here? And I thought, again, I still had no doubts that it was a great, a great business. I think I was really enjoying myself working with the staff and the clients. Now I know a little bit more, I should be able to do this a little bit simpler, a little bit sort of double down on it and open another one. So I started thinking about it like year two, three, but it took a long time to find the right location and the right space. I wanted to keep it in the general East End where I was located and where the other business was. I didn't want to be too far away from either clinic. So I wanted to kind of be close to both. And, and then, yeah, and then started it all over again. So which was which was pretty exciting. I'm sure that your engineering background helped you to be the better business person. I can hear project management skills going <laughs> through. I can hear the logic and a lot of that stuff. Did you do some market research? Did you look at the kind of the geographical area where people might do? What kind of research did you do to determine it's got to be around this location and then we'll find a place? Yeah, the, the things you mentioned for sure are definitely, you know, just looking at the demographics in the area, you know, what just just do some some call it almost guerrilla uh, research, you know, not guerrilla marketing, but guerrilla research. You're, you just just walk up and down the area 
I was lucky that I lived in the area, so I knew it quite well. I knew what kind of people were there, what they were looking for. I could see what businesses were closing, what businesses were opening because I'd been there for a few years. So for me, I was looking for somewhere that was very sort of healthcare focused, people that had either jobs that may have benefits or maybe they were, uh, you know, had some disposable income and were willing to spend money on them on themselves and on their health care. That was important. So I was trying to find an area that, that had that. And, and like I said, I was lucky to live uh, sort of in the East End. So I, I, I sort of knew it firsthand. And then specifically just narrowing down that location was just working with a realtor, going through lots of different spaces. Once you see a space that sort of fits the internal criteria, then you take a look around outside and say, okay, I can make the physical space work here. But am I, is this the right location? So, you know, you've hopefully you're looking in the right locations anyways, but sometimes you have to bend a little bit of trying to find the right space. For us, because we were in an urban market, we had a lot of walk by traffic. We had a lot of visibility that we were on a main street somewhere and that we had good neighbors, I guess I'll call them. So the beach location, we had a Starbucks that was our neighbor. Uh-huh. Uh, and, we had, and we had a CIBC bank and we also had a lovely local bakery uh, that was very well loved in the community. So we had a lot of foot traffic that was already going to be going by our location, which was a big part of the decision. Again, you want to be visible and sort of there because it is a, it is very much a neighborhood type business. We're, we're really focused on helping our community. Most of our clients live and or work in the area. So that was important to be front and center there. So how far away is the other location? You, you talk about this one in the beaches. Yeah, it's... You, you don't um, want them to be able to be so close that they're... Correct. That's sort of cannibalizing each other. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. I love your choice of yeah. words. You know, very, very <laughs> clearly understand what that means. Yes. No, definitely. It's important that they're not too far away because I wanted them to be somewhat close. And I think there's some benefits to having that close. I can I can share certain things and certain responsibilities for myself and, and others. But yes, you, you don't want to be so close that you're you're sort of impeding your your other business. So there's some science to that, but also a bit of a feel of, you know, looking at my existing customer base uh, or client base, I should say, in the beach and seeing, okay, well, where are most people coming from? Uh, you know, what kind of radius is there? Is that around my clinic? And obviously putting the next clinic a little bit outside of that. Yeah. Hopefully that radius so that assuming that the similar radius works at the other clinic that you're not overlapping, you're not creating Venn diagrams, basically, you want to keep the circles apart. So <laughs> yeah, so that was sort of the main thing was just to make sure they're far enough away. So they're close, but far enough away that really, if you're a client of one, you, you don't necessarily you wouldn't be going to the other, it would be far enough away that you would stick to the one that you're, you're already a, a client at. I've asked you about some of the struggles. So I'm going to ask <laughs> you now, what has this journey done for you, you know, checking off, these are the things that I've really enjoyed or feel successful about? Well, there's, there's a lot of that, you know, that's, that's part of the a big reason of sort of starting an entrepreneurial journey, I guess, is really having that, that reward is very personally rewarding. You can get that obviously at other jobs and, and other things as well. But really, there's, when you do have a success, and you're sort of going it alone, and, and that that's your success, and it can be quite rewarding. So, you know, at the start, just seeing the, the business survive and then and then thrive after that i mean you're never quite sure you hope for the best you do all your plans but sometimes you're at the mercy of some other things as we've seen this year so that was really rewarding to to see that all the research and all the work that i'd done was it was correct i i was i was right in most of my assumptions and things went really well so that was great and then after sort of that initial stage passes and you're you've got your business running and things are going well then it's really just 
it's been most rewarding just kind of working with all the the different people. I, I met a lot of different folks from a lot of different backgrounds. Registered massage therapists can be, you know, brand new sort of students right out of school. Others often have come from another career. So I've met people that used to be in banking and, uh, and HR and all kinds of industries, computer, and then, then decided, you know what, I want to I want to go into massage therapy. And so talking to those people, working with those people has been very rewarding. I've met a lot of different people that I may not have uh, run into, you know, working at an engineering firm where a lot of people are obviously engineers or uh, a little more focused, right, in, in their discipline. So it's been nice to have that and then and really building the team. And, and, you know, we have about 20 staff at, at each location. So that's, you know, 40 different people that I work with. And it's been quite rewarding to have that group and really bond with them over the years. You mentioned about these times, and of course, these times uh, are COVID. Mm-hmm. As a result, the massage therapy and similar businesses had to shut down during a certain phase. You know, where are you at now in terms of the business and COVID? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like most businesses, uh, everything was sort of shut down from March till till May, I guess, as the initial full closure, and then. They slowly started to do different stages and reopening, and I think it hit everybody so quickly. It was a bit jarring, and you just sort of one day you were open, and it almost seemed like the next day you were closed, and it sort of came out of nowhere. That was difficult, uh, but really there was no choice. We had to do what was best for obviously public safety and everything else for not only our clients and our own staff, but just for the general population as well. So that was uh, that was important. We spent a lot of time during that period while we were closed to learn as much as we could, and then make sure we had all the safety equipment and protocols and everything that we could have in place and just kept on top of it every week so that we were ready to go when we, when we were able to reopen. And we felt that we could reopen safely with, you know, with very low risk to, to our staff and clients and to the community at large. So that, that was important. You know, it was challenging working with everybody. And, and even when we reopened, it wasn't just like we opened and went back to business as, as usual. It was very controlled opening and we made sure we we obviously had everything in place for staff and for clients to make sure it was safe and now of course we're into the second wave and the numbers are in toronto at least and peel region are are rising again and so we have to be uh you know we have to make sure we're we keep up those standards and be as diligent as possible and we can't get any fatigue with our protocols and our cleaning and our, our screening and everything that we do we need to maintain that at, at the same level we did when we first reopened we, we can't have any slippage because it puts yeah. everything at risk so how have you find the clients? Have they returned in almost the same numbers or is there a drastic reduction? What What is your observation from your clients coming back or not to the clinic? Yeah, it was similar to staff. We had, uh, you know, we had some people that were wanted to be back right away and, and others that took a little bit more time. But on the whole, yeah, it's been very positive. I think our clients understand, uh, you know, they've usually been with us for a while as well. We have a lot of members, so they're used to used to our clinic and used to what the protocols are there obviously we've we've had to revise them for covid and make sure we we keep everything as safe and clean as possible and so we communicated that to them and they were very understanding and it's been very very positive so we've had a lot of clients uh, come back obviously same as staff we've had some cases where you know there's been other other factors at play whether it's their own health or, or a family member or someone that's in their community that they want to you know, be a little more protective of and, and so we've worked with those clients to make sure that we either freeze their membership or they have to you know put them on hold and other other things like that but having a partnership like that with our clients and, and having those long-standing relationships we've been very lucky that you know a lot of our clients come back and it's necessary I mean a lot of people are dealing with 
with pain and other issues yeah. they need to yeah. to get treated so i think that's the big thing it's uh you know we're not we're not a luxury we're definitely there to help people's lives and make sure you know that they're healthy and, and can live or manage or get rid of the pain or, or whatever they're dealing with you know that's helped us um, maintain our, our, our clients and, and that's why they're coming back to see us as well they feel safe and, and they they do need somewhere to go to get that care i think it's so important that the businesses show and demonstrate in as many ways as possible that the client coming to you or whoever services feel that sense of trust. I know that we do takeout and my kids will say, mom, if you go there and it doesn't feel safe, don't go back, right? Don't feel we have to have our favorite foods. We just want to make sure they're safe enough to have our favorite foods, right? So, So I think each one of us is managing our businesses in these COVID times, but also we as individuals are managing how we connect with the world and we'll have our check boxes. Some will come back no matter what, and others will have their criteria before they do. Yeah. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Sasha, and I, I really enjoyed having the conversation and helping, you know, hearing about your franchise and your entrepreneurial experience. And I hope that those that are listening are kind of gathering information about the things that they can learn from your struggles and your successes. Tell us what's up next and how people can get a hold of you. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a fun conversation here. I hope somebody can learn something from what I said. But yeah, no, it's been great. What's up next for us? We've just launched chiropractic treatments at our clinics, which is very exciting. So up until now, we've provided registered massage therapy, acupuncture and certified reflexology. And we're very excited to have a chiropractor as part of the team now to provide more options for our clients for their health care all, all under one roof, which is great. So we're very excited for that. And yeah, I can be reached on LinkedIn, Sasha Naylor, obviously, or my two clinics, one in the beach, it's massageaddict.ca, the Toronto Beach location or massageaddict.ca, the Toronto Danforth location. So those are my two locations that I can be reached at as well. Well, thank you very, very much uh, for coming today and sharing your successes and your struggles in this journey of entrepreneurship. Thank you very much, Ella. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode. If you're new to Rev Up Your Potential, please visit our website at www.revupyourpotential.ca. There you will find more podcast episodes, videos, and a growing collection of resources to help you rev up your potential. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.